0: I remember seeing Uncut Gems in a packed theatre when it first came out, you know, back when you could do that kind of thing, and I was amazed by the audience reaction. They were hooked on Howard, Adam Sana's character, riding the highs and lows of every decision he made. I distinctly remember the collective gasp from 100 plus people when Howard makes his biggest bet of the film. It was as if they too were about to face the terrible consequences of his actions. A safty film grabs you, and makes you conversely want to look away, but not stop watching. It's no different in their debut film, the Indie Gem from 2009, Daddy Longlegs. The film follows a father looking after his two kids, a far cry from the New York Diamond District, yet you can see the very beginnings of a similar type of character to Howard from Gems, reactive, impulsive and selfish. Even the very first shot of the film is undoubtedly a Safdie's production, a handheld camera shot on the street. A decade separates these films, yet there's so much in common, too much for this intro in fact, If only someone had done a whole podcast episode on it. You're listening to You Never Forget Your First. Every director's career started somewhere. We find out where. That's the end of the episode. (laughs) Welcome welcome to You Never Forget Your First. We are here. It's the end of a bank holiday. Or the start of a bank holiday, depending on on. when that... Well, I- when you think about that,
1: start of a bank holiday day. It's
0: 11 a.m. on Monday, so there's a whole day ahead for everyone. Was there another bank holiday? Miss? And anyway, <laughs> <laughs> anyways, it's not a bank holiday podcast. If you're new here, my name's Dom. I'm your host. I'm joined by Benas. Uh,
2: yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Aka, get some, get them some waters. Can get some
2: waters up in here.
0: Joined by Louis Upstate. Hello. Aka Upstate Lou Lu- York. You got there. <laughs> I got there. Uh, And joined by Sparrow. Morning all. Otherwise known as Connie, who is the main character of one of the films that we'll be talking about today.
2: I mean, you're Domald Bronstein, so... And I'm Domald Bronstein,
0: (laughs) which is uh, a play on Ronald Bronstein, (laughs) who's a key member of the Safdie's crew that we'll get into at some point later in the episode.
3: (laughs) We're really recycling the uh, the McDonald's uh, reference in that one as well. Like it. this, it's Super a throwback podcast that, 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 <laughs> that joke lasted two weeks. Yeah, <laughs> that, I'm
0: literally playing a joke that only three people would get because listeners <laughs> cannot see my name. <laughs> and it works. How is everyone doing? Um, Danis has been pumping pump, pump, pump
2: some liquor all weekend. All weekend. <laughs> been distilling yes. some spirits. All of that business. Uh, but nice. good nonetheless. Been getting into a habit of watching films early in the morning these days. <laughs> Um, which is <laughs> Yeah, I'll get a text
0: from you at like 5 a.m. being like, I just watched all of Good, just Bad, and The Ugly. <laughs> <Lost." Yeah.
1: laughs> yeah. Start Owl. the day, do you mean to go on? That yeah.
2: can be pretty
0: boring. <laughs> <horrible. laughs> yeah, Before exactly.
3: this podcast, I'd never done that, but then there have been the occasional ones where we have a morning recording and I realize I need to get up at 7 a.m. to watch some really <laughs> heavy film. just feels wrong. It's like eating chocolate for breakfast. Yeah, yeah <laughs> I, sometimes,
0: I do sometimes feel like movies should be watched in the evening.
1: Sometimes it feels it's weird like watching them during the day. Something to look
2: forward to, essentially. Well, yeah, but it's then it's a, nice to mix it up. It'd be quite
1: well, funny if every day you got up at 5am and watched like, a black and white movie, and you'd feel like your whole life was like that, set in a period.
2: Isn't gone. that Edgar Wright? No, he does. Just gets- yeah pretty he sure.
0: watches a lot of movies it kind of sounds like that's you though Ben. <laughs> oh. yeah
2: <laughs> you can't yeah.
3: watch as many many movies as ben ass watches without watching round the clock you can't just limit yourself to <laughs> evenings and get a movie list that long i feel yeah, like maybe yeah. that's a whole new genre of movies that should uh that could be made right it's movies well, like f- to watch pre 10 a.m
2: pre 10 a.m yeah yeah
3: mm. but like ones
0: that you what well, ones that you shouldn't watch though like some really heavy drug drug trip movie
3: it's like before the invention of breakfast cereal, there was nothing properly like there was nothing to eat for, in there the morning right for <laughs> no. the mornings was no brain bread? food, yeah. yeah, maybe maybe that's an untapped. I think market. five
0: a m movie club could take off, yeah, you could do Go like on. a joint, you could do not sign team. me up. <laughs> <laughs> I think and it, I've signed you guys up without your permission. I think it I'll could be there. fun,
1: but you could uh, you could inadvertently like screw up your day if you like if you watch like Requiem for a Dream first thing. And <laughs> you just walk through the whole, trudge through the whole and day,
3: and back to
0: bed. Yeah, <laughs> just
3: be depressed.
0: Whatever you watch at 5am needs to set the mood and the tone for <laughs> the rest of the 24 needs hours. Needs to be empowering. <laughs> so
2: so in regards to this episode what you watch like Uncut gems like <laughs> at five in yeah. the morning and just run around run around London to be like trying to swindle some money from people yeah. <laughs> you,
0: that would be a good alarm clock uncut gems that would I would Christ. feel pretty awake after watching better, that.
2: better than a morning run yeah.
3: it's like snorting six lines of cocaine and watching uncut gems <laughs> that's the only way to watch that film <laughs>
2: yeah
0: yeah we've got a pretty high octane filmmakers. So we've got a high-octane episode where all the energy is going to be really high. It's Toy
3: Story 3, everyone.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's Lotso and what he does to everyone. <laughs> uh, has Actually, I should ask, has anyone been watching anything? Obviously, the Oscars happened between recording episodes. Not that this will mean anything to listeners, but this is our first debut episode as a foursome for a while.
2: It is. What was
1: the last one? Everyone Sorry.
0: seems everyone seems stoked about about that. I guess Sorry, it, what? was it
1: was it The Fast of Night was the last one with all four of us?
0: Yeah, I think it was. was. It?
3: Uh yeah. I feel like
0: was it? we've done we've done a bunch of other episodes in between. When was uh McDonald's? which I would have launched by the time of this? Uh what? well Supersize Me wasn't with Sparrow. Um, what was
2: the last episode?
0: Uh I thought don't it was just that question because it many episodes will have come out before this ah. has been released. So I have no <laughs> the idea. The last one
3: for us or the last one for the listeners. I think That's the last question. one
1: we did was the last one that we did
0: cup. was va- was Vast of Night, as in oh the last, de- last debut we did.
3: The last one was TV on.
0: Yeah, and we're still making jokes about bacon biscuits even before <laughs> recording this. <laughs> uh, we do have a pod pod cinema trip semi planned, though, when cinemas reopen on the 17th oh. mm. to go and see Nomad Land potentially.
2: Yeah, um, yeah, that's a film that needs to be watched on a big screen, I think. Yeah, Disney. that's what I yeah, Disney Disney I get the doesn't... vibe of
0: that as well.
1: Because there was discussion as to whether, because it's Disney, whether or not it would get a proper cinema release. But like all I know is like Prince Charles is at least showing it for a little bit. Um, I
2: think because
0: I of its Oscar, its Oscar
2: win as well. Yeah, we it's got like it another be... push. Uh, same with probably like a few others, like Minari again. That's a film that was probably would benefit from a big screen as well. I know it's a quiet story, but um, it's a film that again, cinematography wise, really beautiful. Um, story mm. itself was, was really good as well. Promising Young Woman may get a push as well mainly because um, it's a very timely story and the fact that it's a good film nonetheless, you know. Um, mm. But that's not Disney I suppose, that's Universal. Actually, yeah, a lot of films being released on streamers isn't such a big deal for, for me anymore. I remember last lockdown I was like, oh, how dare they for fucking me. do it? Blasphemy. me. But to be fair, I've benefited from watching all these films. Guys, Benas like... has been muted. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, benefit from what from watching all these films like at home which is great uh, which is fine you know i'll watch them again when they get re-released in cinemas but i'd rather watch a new film in a timely fashion and instead of just like waiting another full year until cinemas safely reopen or whatever because mm. um, mm. if it's a finan- financial support in a sense like you want to go and pay f- to, to watch the film yeah you can always do that that's not a big deal
0: all of us are saying at least Nomadland should be watched on a big yeah, screen everyone sure. goes yeah, on yeah. about the cinematography of it saying it's incredible Which is so like, it feels, feels like it should be watched <laughs> it's incredible
2: there. but I think like parts of it were filmed like on a 5D or some shit
0: <laughs> it looked pretty stripped back when you see the behind the scenes it's actually yeah, like five people it's, it's, quite, film. it's really cool <laughs> yeah I think student films probably have more people on probably, it.
2: Probably. Yeah. <laughs> Bunch of runners <laughs> running around. <and> shit.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's interesting, cinemas reopening on the 17th. feels like we've gone so long without cinemas that I just almost, it's, I was saying to a, a friend, world. the last time I saw one of my friends was when Tenet was released in, yeah. and we went to go see it at the IMAX oh, yeah. and that just felt like a flash in the pan and then everything closed again. Mm. So it'd be, now when things open, it's going to be back properly like for Somewhere. a while. Isn't it? Yeah, last p- film I watched summer, was
2: back in October. In in
0: the cinema, I mean. but now it looks like if they open, they're going to stay open for yeah for the foreseeable future, which so. is, which is good. It's good news. It's good news. It's good. Um, actually, actually, I've I've got I've got a doc to to mention. Um, I know that I know it's a doc. Sue me, but it's sort of actually a <laughs> bit of a film. Is uh, I watched Supersonic, the Oasis doc. Oh yeah yeah. Um, yeah. I've actually Get watched it film. twice in the last in the last three weeks because I thought it was so good. I had to rewatch it. It's done by the the people who did Amy. But it's mm-hmm. just such a good doc. Like it was recommended to me on Netflix. I wanted to see it for ages. It's just so well told, and like the visuals and the reconstruction of it all, and just the the way the voiceover is like paced with what you're seeing and and the whole story. It just just so entertaining. It's just kind of crazy that any of it ever happened in real yeah. life. To be fair, uh, yeah, I'm it's not, re- it's really well made. I've not yeah, seen it's so really well done. done. What's that? about? If specific. You like, is it if you just... like Oasis, obviously you're suited to like it a lot more. <laughs> just because, yeah. It's it's basically about the rise of Oasis, it's not about the brothers falling out, it's, it's about like how they got big, but also kind of at the end it makes a big comment about bands in general nowadays and like the time right. that they came up, like what the years meant for them
2: mm-hmm.
0: um, about the end of the nineties and like the cultural, cultural landscape for Louie and the political correspondent. <laughs> um, but yeah, it was a, uh, it was really good. I, I highly recommend it. Some okay. really, really good filmmaking in there. Yeah. yeah.
2: There's, nice. a, there's a separate
1: yeah, film that came out recently, which is sort of linked, but different, but this is like an actual movie as opposed to a doc called um creation or I don't know if it's called creation records, but it was basically the record company that took on Oasis um, and it's, it's in that doc like there's got i forget it's, there's quite a big like a character who runs it um and in the in the film creation he's played by the same actor who plays spud in train spotting um,
0: oh, yeah. oh nice <laughs> but, um, <laughs> uh, just, yeah,
1: but that's an actual movie as opposed to like a doc
0: did watch chloe's hours debut which we're going to do at some point soon oh. i suppose after we go see nomadland just quickly um,
2: how what did you make of it just like in a few sentences just brief uh yeah, yeah
0: i thought it was I liked it. I thought it was very different, very ve- like naturalistic in a yeah, completely really. different way. That there isn't like a link later naturalistic. I don't know. It's did different. you get
2: through it in one sitting?
0: No, I did two. Yeah, fair. I had to do two. Fair. Otherwise, I would have done. I would otherwise I would have done one. Oh right, I know. I just can stick with it. Yeah, I get that. I get that. Should we just start talking about that instead? Uh,
2: Ed- <laughs> just, <laughs> this just is closed a out. Close out.
1: <laughs> it just occurs to me. There is there is one. I was trying to wrap my brains as to what I've seen. I, I did. There is one film I have watched. I don't know whether anyone else has seen it. I forget the name of the director, um, The Lobster. Um, oh, yeah. The uh, oh, the yeah, yeah. weird film. Yeah, it's yeah,
2: a bit
3: yeah. odd it's a bit strange. Yargos, uh, Yargos Lithamos. Colin yeah,
2: Farrell. I saw yeah. I, I, en-
1: I sort of enjoyed it. Like it was
2: I really loved that yeah, film.
1: Quirky for sure. It is one of those things where right at the beginning I was really hooked and I was intrigued to see where it went, and then for me it kind of it kind of drifted a bit. And I'm, I'm sort of glad I watched it. But it was yeah, 'cause I have seen the other He's done three main films. I've seen The Killing of a Sacred Deer. That was good.
2: And The Favourite. Yeah, and The
1: Favourite. And yeah. also... Oh, Dogtooth. Is it Benus or something?
2: Yeah, Dogtooth. That was a fucked up film. Uh, it was yeah, good. Like it. That I looks look, good, I was actually. A... Oh, uh, I watched that shit on Mubi. Um, that was like the... Sorry, so I watched two films on Mubi when I had it for like a whole year. Uh, I watched that and the Spike Lee uh, thing. Uh, Inside Band. Oh, yeah. Yeah so maybe okay. if
0: you're listening we're free to be sponsored <laughs> see one of our hosts can't afford to pay every month this is the thing that we're getting this is the situation <laughs> we're dealing with here
2: yeah and put some actual good films on there not something that you hey. think hey i'm just saying hey, yo
0: hey don't don't insult our, spot- our potential sponsor all right i'm just saying i will <laughs> not be sponsored it. by they've,
2: you know someone. they've who's- got
0: chloe zhao on there at the moment Actually, I've got time for to that. Check out again, again throwing back to the oscars quickly I want, what do you want to give one shout out which is another round which won best international oh, feature yeah. the danish film so well done, with mads actually. Mikkelsen, directed by thomas Winterberg. amazing movie so good been rumors that it's going to be remade in america with leonardo dicaprio i don't know if that's going to happen or not because it's so early days but it's such a solid movie and yeah it's it's so cool to see a film mm-hmm. that is pro-drinking it's not necessarily <laughs> pro-drinking but so like cool. it's just cool to see a film that takes alcohol as being something that's actually part of our lives and not just like completely demonising it or romanticising it when, actually. or romanticising it when so many people drink every day day. Don't got a new job for the drinking
3: week. lobby if the alcohol <laughs> Yeah,
0: what do we by, say uh, about that, the though? Danish the Danish uh, Carlsberg Society <laughs> Carlsberg. has been secretly secretly sponsoring this podcast <laughs> and has very fierce legal
2: battles with Subway at the moment. Given our last episode, <laughs> I'd, I'd imagine there's a lot of meatball marinara getting involved.
0: I've got to say, although this is so self-referential, the amount of people who have who have uh, who've reached out and said that that meatball marinara thing really made them laugh is. It's quite. It's too damn high.
3: (laughs) Um, It's good because it was in the last, like, it was in the last ten minutes of an hour and a half long episode. So it's something to. uh, It was weird. Something to shoot for. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, exactly.
2: (laughs) For super fans, Dom, what what do you make of like um, the fact that? So you know, obviously, I know. Around is set around the Danish culture of drinking, which is a very you know prominent prominent in Danish culture in a sense that yeah,
0: similar to the UK a little bit.
2: Yeah, but again, there's not. I wouldn't say that it's kind of as revered as UK and kind of no. uh, America is. Cause like usually people like yeah. they go to pound town on like fucking 12 lagers or whatever. <laughs> but another round is much more like this is, um, this is a tra- much more traditional yeah. thing where it's uh, imbued in their culture. And yeah,
0: I mean, this is no spoilers at the start of the film is like following a bunch of teenagers doing a massive drinking Danish drinking event where they have to finish a case of beer and run around, <laughs> run around a park yeah. Like it is it's pretty intense from the start, but that is totally uh, yeah. normal
2: in Denmark. It's yeah, 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 so yeah, yeah. It's like, like it em- is really just every generation it. kind of does. Um so I'm just kind of interested to see like how would um, like Americans be like, yeah, yeah, this is the same, but like nobody does that here. Be interesting to see how they come at it. Yeah. This is yeah. why I think they've attached a great actor to it to to take it to what like somewhere else. DiCaprio be playing Mads, Mads Mikkelsen's Mickelson's character uh, of a Maybe DiCaprio
0: yeah, DiCaprio being a history teacher in like, his secondary school. I could I could see the that. The biggest
2: complaint that Mads had on uh, on another round was that he's too handsome to play a fucking teacher. How is DiCaprio gonna do it?
0: <laughs> yeah. Just keep casting more handsome people in every remake of it. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, should we get into this week's film and director? Safties. Otherwise known as Safti. Safties and their first film, Daddy Long Legs from 2009 believe it or not which is a lot mm. earlier than i thought it was a lot later sorry than i thought it would be but yeah safety brothers they are a fan favorite of the wine ynf, YNF YF community particularly sparrow yeah who uh
1: i think everyone i think i don't i think we're all it's one of probably one of the few direct was well, two guys isn't it two, the few directors where we're pretty much all we're all aligned big Fans of them yeah i would say yeah. i'm
2: the biggest fan but uh, oh, you definitely
0: are you definitely are the biggest fan, aren't you? Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah, of course, of <laughs> course, of course. course. Uh, so, so you have a Safti
0: Brothers poster behind you on the recording. What, <laughs> what
2: is this? Special <laughs> made for this podcast. Um, yeah, I,
0: I kind of, I, lo- I really like the Saftis, and I think a lot of listeners probably do yeah. too. <laughs> I do. I put them as one of Sparrow's top directors, though. I feel like I, I associate uh, you in this.
2: Yeah, they no, definitely.
1: Well, yeah, me personally, like I put them top five for me. Like I love them. But um, but one thing mm. I find about them—do
2: they take up one spot or do they take two spots? Uh, well,
1: I, I, haven't, <laughs> I haven't given it that much thought, Venice.
2: Oh, let's,
1: let's say two oh.
0: well, it's one of is Josh like two and yeah is one is better than the other <laughs> yeah yeah just Josh I prefer, I prefer Josh on his own um, <laughs> that's got to be a yeah. segment
3: on this episode well,
0: which one <laughs> which is are you <laughs> so we, yeah
1: which Safdie are you well we what? should
0: say for people that don't well sorry no sorry you go
1: no, I, was, I was just going to say when well, we we'll, we'll get into it more but one of the things I find with the Safdies when speaking to other people so I, I really rate them and I'm like I think they're great you should check them out but they seem to be like a serious marmite like directors, some people like. I found the, some people like. I found the films really annoying. Blah, blah blah. Like it. Like some people really don't like them at all. Um, that's that's my. Whereas whereas some other directors are kind of like, yeah, it was okay. Like the these guys do. From my experience, they are a bit marmitey.
3: The two films I've seen from them are hard to fucking watch. So I but can understand that. Yeah. Yeah, I find them really hard to. Well, Uncut Gems and Daddy Long Legs. I find them hard to watch because there's sort of no. Um, they're deliberately chaotic. You know. There's no, uh, there's a very loose structure th- threading it all together. The, the ten things happening at the same time in any given scene, the the sort of the the language, the dialogue is is unstructured, which gives it a kind of realism. I mean, it, I, I'm sure all of that's deliberate. So credit to them for, yeah. you know, get, achieving what they're trying to achieve. But I can understand why some people just hate that because it, it I think it puts quite a lot of demand on the viewer to actively participate in watching it
1: one thing um, one thing I've i found feel, was... i feel like we're the hate with a hate
0: safety podcast now that's a bad thing
1: this is an interesting point which i because i've had i've had the same kind of criticism from two different people on two different films which i could but it's it and it's the sound design where in uncut gems like one guy was like it was really annoying because you can't really hear who's saying what there's like just loads of people chatting at the beginning and in good time at the beginning when the when the bro when one of the brothers is talking. Again, the sound is a bit, a bit like off. But I'm pretty. It must be deliberate, and I don't mind it. But like, but it's interesting that the sound design. It's like I can't really hear what they're saying. Um, is like a yeah. criticism I've heard. Um,
0: that's a big. It's a big part of their filmmaking, and actually, watching Daddy Longlegs really cemented that for me, which we'll get into. I think it's it's definitely deliberate and by
2: design. Mm. I can't say I ever minded that. Like watching Uncut Gems. Uh, like I knew who who like who you're meant to be watching, who you're meant to be paying attention to. Like, you know, when you have a conversation in the middle of the street with a person, like maybe a passerby you just met, or maybe a friend, right? Your, your, your focus is on the person, right? But there's shit going on around you. Um, So I don't know. I've never had the issue of like isolating who I'm supposed to be watching.
3: I think it's more also just how, um, and this is actually quite realistic, but just how many things happen that, that aren't really connected when you're watching somebody in one of those films, right? He's walking down the street, and and you think you're gonna follow a scene about one conversation, and then it turns out it's about something completely different. And yeah, we, I remember yeah. I remember thinking this in Uncut Gems as well, sort of saying there are so many things that just don't go anywhere, mm. and that's part <laughs> of the point. It's like <laughs> that's it's, the point, yeah, yeah. It's the yeah. complete yeah, yeah. kind of chaos of. It.
0: I mean, people do talk over each other in real life all the time. I don't know what you're like... talking about. <laughs> 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 I was waiting. I was waiting for that Um Let's let's pull back a little bit to the Safdies as filmmakers because for people that are listening that might not know, they're two brothers, Josh and Benny, who direct, um, who are from New York. I think New York is the backdrop to each of their films. I don't think they've done a film that's not in New York yet. Yeah, it was quite interesting reading up about them. They, like, apparently their dad was quite big into, like, films and kind of got them into, like, um, movies and by all accounts sounded quite an illustrious character which is worth saying because um, I think their parents are divorced, but that's what pulled the inspiration for Daddy Longlegs. Because yeah. I don't think it's any, it's not any coincidence that it's like a dad who has them, f- these two sons, who I think are meant because I, I think it's a semi-autobiographical
3: I was going to ask,
2: is that, yeah, yeah well, it feels as, like as it. As far as the research, that's what it led to it's, it's yeah. semi I don't
0: think it's it's not I think it's inspired by stories and anyway. stuff they've they've had but I don't think
2: it's like a true yeah it's probably not like a you know day by day account <laughs> yeah um... I mean
0: I'd love to know if the pill scene is true oh, or not Jesus, From their yeah. experience we'll get into that yeah yeah <laughs> <man. laughs> But yeah, I, I I mean, I really like the Safdies. I feel like they, it's so interesting. They've shot to fame, like they've shot to big fame with Uncut Gems, but they were making, but things like a lot of people that I speak to, I think Louis included, like, hadn't maybe heard or even seen Good Time when it's probably right. my, personally my favourite of the Safdies, but also just that they have been making films with known actors like Robert Pattinson f- um,
3: for like a while. Do you think it's because of a Netflix were they quite, yeah? I was going to say, were they quite well known in the film community then before Uncut Gems? Because to land that to land good, that movie on Netflix,
1: that's good time is what really I think put them on the map. Um, right. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah, yeah. Because so I mean, then... the film before that was uh, Heaven Knows What.
1: Yeah, Daddy Long Longlegs
0: won some like big independent film so, awards. yeah, so, yeah, I so they're think big it on the
2: indie circuit, but you know, not yeah. the, not necessarily on the everyone. Then that's war- warming up to the indie conversation. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but. Uh, yeah, you just his shoulder gotta, up. I was about
0: to say that GIF I sent of Adam Sandler where he's like, "This is how I win." Yeah, for the listeners. <laughs> this is we, we
3: all we all got bespoke Adam Sander gifts from Dom yesterday <laughs> in preparation for today.
0: Louis was the one who and got gems when he's like, "I disagree." I when disagree. A, whenever Louis hears a political viewpoint that might not be the same as his, I, I disagree.
1: disagree.
0: <laughs> Um, I respectfully disagree. So the the other I suppose the other thing to mention about the Safties is they're properly like DIY filmmakers because at least two mm. of their films they've directed together have been pretty low budget. I imagine one of them is like on sound, one of them's on camera, you know. That's probably the benefit of having like a brother that you do films with is that you can kind of like divvy up the roles a little bit. But I I feel like that plays into the aesthetic of them as a as filmmakers. I just get a very DIY vibe from them, even even in Uncut Gems to some degree, even though it is flashy and, like, colourful and stuff. I, I get it very much like yeah. their fingerprints are all over their films as opposed to, oh, you know,
3: a committee of people
0: decided this scene didn't work. Do you know what I mean?
3: Those two films do definitely have the kind of present. You feel the presence of the filmmaker more than you would yeah. in most films, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's I mean, sort of deliberately stylized.
2: I read that uh, How True I Don't Know's. But uh, during the shooting of Uncut Gems, one of the brothers, maybe both, uh, was annoyed that the crew had to put out like uh, flyers and get permits to film on the streets. They're like, "We just want to do this low key, man. Just fucking gorilla <laughs> film this."
0: That's that is so They're, interesting though, because big they film seem- man. <laughs> As they've got bigger, their whole thing of... Because I think in this, we'll get onto it, but in Daddy Longlegs, there's a scene in the Natural History Museum, which Mm. they snuck cameras... They weren't allowed to film in there, but they snuck cameras in to film those shots. Mm, And it's like, I think that area is where they enjoy blurring the line between doc and actual, you know, like, written screenplays. But I suppose when you get... There's some point where you get so big as a filmmaker that you actually have to start closing streets down and stuff. And that's when it becomes a bit like, oh, how do you recapture that magic of Mm. having a scene where people don't know they're being filmed?
1: I think part of their style, actually, their their now style basically came from almost, more may have come from like a practical purpose. So like they're known for like intense close-ups and also like all like really, really far away long shots. And if you think if you're filming in the street without a permit, if you film someone up close and that's fine, and if you're so miles away, um, then people don't really know the camera's there but if you try to film like someone like two metres away you get like members of the public just looking at the camera but mm-hmm. by doing it either a real close up or miles away you don't get that issue yeah, um, so true. I wonder whether it was uh, like what may have started as something which is just practical then kind of became their style
0: I think that's a really good point I think, I think a lot of practicalities that they did in, in lower budget films like Heaven Knows What or Daddy Long Legs Heaven Knows What being the film after their debut was like limitations they had and then they've just kind of brought them on to like other movies um i I did read the uh on uncut gems when they were filming in in actual new york they would put like a hundred extras down the street and mingle them around and then whenever anyone noticed adam sandler like walking they would the extra would have been would was instructed to like create a promotion or like ask someone (laughs) where directions were or something so they kind of diverted them from from adam sandler and actually when you when you watch uncut gems with a keen eye you do see you do sort of see some people turning round but sometimes it's in the context of the scene because he's just been beaten up he's just been like a bit like that
3: tom cruise idea that we talked about remember where we just said like let's let's film him walking down the street and just throw shit at him (laughs) yeah Yeah,
2: yeah. that that would be entertaining yeah, um, it feels like so. Obviously, they're still indie, right? But I feel like they will never essentially kind of leave that style. But I don't. I just don't see them making a film for like Warner Brothers, you know, because it's just like their home is 8- A for the for the time being at least. But uh, yeah, I don't. If it's like they found that style, they'll ne- they'll probably never leave that style because it's just they're so hands on with it, and it's a bit like well, again Nolan reference, but like um you know how he, what an he app. yeah he's he, he, how he makes films that they're kind of like semi-documentaries much much like the safety brothers in the sense that he doesn't use a lot of green screen and he just like shoots what's there in a the sense so yeah but his sensibilities kind of like allow him to you know make a sci-fi film whereas are always like kind of like just boots on the ground kind of go- uh, gorilla films type so I feel, I feel like they've discovered that style and yeah they just don't see them kind of like moving up a notch if you will like there act, actors will want to work with them for sure but i uh, just i just mean i don't just don't see them making a let's say interstellar
0: yeah it's tricky cuz they they did start their own production company right called elara i think yeah. it's called yeah, yeah. and and that is very much got like a sci-fi feel to like the logo and the music and all that yeah, and yeah, it, yeah. it feels like they want to make a sci-fi film i've sort of i've read well, a few things where they've talked about wanting to make something because Uncut Gems had a very sci fi feel
2: to it, weirdly. Yeah. At the beginning, sure, with the whole Ethiopia gem Uncut Gems essentially. The- Basically whenever the gem is in the film, it's like one of the things of the less
1: so in Daddy Longlegs, but the in certainly in Good Time and, and uh Uncut Gems and I think in, in Heaven Knows What is another key piece is their is their electronic soundtrack, as in it's almost what's the word, like synonymous with their style now. Um, mm. That kind of, particularly in good time and uncock gems. Like if you take, and that gives it, that gives it like that sort of sci-fi flavor as well.
2: Well, to just uh, what I noticed today, um, what's watching heaven knows what is that At again? Five a.m. this morning. Yeah, um, <laughs> that's so the whole synthesizer thing. Sure, it's there, but this time, maybe due to the context of the story, this time it had a much more horror type, horror film type vibe, kind of eighties. Um, mm. 80s kind of um you know slasher type teen films so a lot of synthesizers but a lot of tension created uh you know just to kind of in a ho- in a horror horror situation and there are aspects of that film that could lend itself to to a horror genre so i feel like they've been just kind of skipping genres and kind of intermingling them um whereas like good time being a heist film a failed heist film if you will um, Uncut gem, just being like, this kind of like, almost like an action film, essentially. Jewel, j-
0: jeweler film? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah.
2: Um, like and- a con man movie in a way, a little bit. Yeah, a con mm. man movie, um, then Heaven Knows What, obviously, again, it's a bit like a drama, sure, but it has horror undertones to it. And essentially, Daddy Long Legs always felt like, yeah, it's a film that's like, bit uh, like... Uh, I had thunder Ro- thunder road vibes from uh, off of it kind of Annie Hall makes thunder road uh so sundad's vibes if a you question
3: will. from from someone who's only watched daddy Long legs and uncut gems obviously w- one of the things that links those two films is the the main character being very similar is that a recurring protagonist in other films do you know what i mean yeah. D- do, do, do they usually have the same traits of being
2: yeah they're usually unlikable and they get in their own way
3: right they like sort of chaotic and
0: I think there's a likability to them though that Hmm. I think it's very quite easy to wash them in like they're just annoying and not likable. But apparently on the front cover of the Uncut Gems script it said in Howard We Trust, Howard being the main character that Adam Sandler plays. Yeah. And Adam Sandler had a had a big thing with that because he was like, I've read this script and I don't think Howard is likable, but you guys seem to love Howard. And they were kind of like, yeah, it's about the fact that you do love Howard. He just can't help but make a bad decision yeah. all the time. I think They're
2: they underdogs, that. essentially, aren't they? So, like, Howard being an underdog, because sure, he's a hustler and, you know, he's trying to sell, sell this opal and whatever. Um, but, yeah, he's just waiting for a big payday. S- similar with um, the guy. Get in, some waters. Yeah, I guess I get some more water, essentially. And Daddy Longlegs, the guy, again, is just trying to. Uh, he what he's trying to be is just be a good father. But his own kind of me you and know, Dom spoke about this, like the guy is clearly trying to hold on to his kind of youth, um, kind of escaping youth. Uh, and whilst trying to juggle this these responsibilities of being a father, then in uh, heaven knows what, again, you've got characters who are addicts, but and they do try to escape that cycle. Being an addict is a vicious cycle. So again, they're kind of unlikable and they're, some of them are dicks and shit. But you can see that there's a you want subscription yeah you yeah there's room for, uh there's room for actually liking these people
0: that that I, makes
2: I, them quite watchable for me personally
0: definitely. i feel like if i just if i out and out hated someone when yeah, I was yeah, watching yeah. It, I'd you'd feel kind of that's the end of the road for you engaging with that character but the adam Sandler does a very good job in uncut gems and robert patterson actually in well, fact, well, everyone say, in all the I, movies
1: I'd, I'd say i would count i do agree with the fundamental thing that they're, they're kind of flawed characters who are like who do have likable, like, past them, like in Uncut Gems and in Daddy Longlegs. But I'd say it's less so in Good Time. Connie in Good Time is far more, like, selfish and has less... He's far less... I mean, I like him, but he is far less likable. Like, the guy in Daddy Longlegs is, like... He is kind of, like, a nice guy. He means well, but he's, like... He just does stupid shit. Like, whereas Connie is, like, is a lot nastier. Yeah. And just, he, yeah, he's, yeah, yeah, he's less, yeah, yeah, So he's, st- he's still on the spectrum, like, of, of, of the same thing, but, but more extreme.
0: Yeah, but would you say Connie is driven by a good thing which is to to bail out his brother. But
1: but Connie Connie has one north star which is that he wants to help his brother, but that I doesn't
0: redeem all the stuff that he does necessarily. Yeah, yeah, that's like that's
1: yeah. literally his only that's the only good thing about him is, is that he loves his brother. That's like the whereas the other ones have more kind of there is there are other nice qualities to them.
2: Yeah, yeah, I mean I'll I'll agree with that, but uh again, he'll um, agree with it. But <laughs> but you're wrong. I feel like uh yeah, Connie does some bad shit and stuff. <laughs> 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 but uh he, you know you say he has one one north star but that's the the whole drive of his you know that, that's what fuels him so that's his sole purpose essentially within the world of that film his sole purpose is to actually help his brother here so nothing everything else trumps that so because it's a heist movie you have to have that engine to the character i think
1: but yeah i take your point Ben. though the the lot. The, the drive of saving his brother therefore trumps everything else
2: yeah, um, yeah,
0: yeah. We sh- should Again, we get into Daddy Daddy Longlegs a little bit but before we do I feel like it's worth mentioning who Ronald Bronstein is because in in researching this it feels like even if you are a diehard Safety fan as, as us even Sparrow might not even have known who Ronald Bronstein actually is so it's relevant to Daddy Longlegs because he is the main actor in Daddy Longlegs he's the dad yeah. But he also seems to be the third Safdie brother. So he's co-written and co-edited all of their movies. I think every single one that they've done together at the very least. And he kind of said, when they interviewed him about sort of asking about the Safdies, he said, I write with Josh, Josh directs with Benny, Benny edits with me. So, and it's interesting when you look at the credits, you do see it. Benny and Ronald are like credited as editors, mm. but Josh is more writing and directing so there's kind of, it's interesting, but he's just such an integral part of their trio. I mean, you look on the credits for Uncut Gems, he's, he is one of the three writers of the film. So yeah, it's, it's it's interesting that he kind of did this role with Daddy Longlegs and then doesn't seem to have acted since, but yet seemed to win a few awards for his acting. Like, and he, he I personally thought he was like great in it. I yeah, thought he was a great so. actor. So it's just kind of random that he like did this amazing acting in this one film. What's their relationship and to the,
3: Are they just friends? Is it kind of... Yeah,
0: I think he's like. No, I think he's he's older than them. Right. Yeah, Yeah. I think he met them at a film festival and then just kind of vibed with them and then Mm. stuck around ever since. But yeah, he's sort of the I would call it the third Safdie brother, essentially.
1: (laughs) What's interesting about this guy Ronald Bronstein is that is before Daddy Longlegs, he'd actually he'd actually directed a a feature film himself. Mm. Um, as in prior to any of the Safdies, or, or presumably to him working with the Safdies.
0: Yeah, called is it Frownland? Yeah, I think. Um, but he'd also like a bit like Jim Cummings with Thunder Road. He'd never done any acting yeah, yeah. prior to doing Daddy Longlegs. Wow! So it's just like it's just insane
2: when these people pull out an amazing performance out of <laughs> out of nowhere. Yeah, true. I mean it, that Daddy Longlegs is such a like a realistic film. So you know, uh, I suppose him being a, and kind of old, he is older than them, right? Yeah. So he has these kind of sensibilities, and I th- I feel like he yeah his. His approach to to their trio essentially is he kind of gives this maybe a much more serious treatment mm. to whatever project they're working on. It's a bit like you know, like when Fight Club was being made, Brad Pitt and Edward Norton said that David Fincher brought like this apparent sensibility to to the film uh, that kind of like made made the film not be treated at, at treated as such a big joke so I yeah feel like that's um that's what not one of ronald's uh, inputs are into their relationship um because yeah his acting in that long list was actually really good really really good
0: straight away as soon as this film started i was like there is no question in my mind this is a safety brothers film like <laughs> the way that it was shot from the very start looked like it was shot like uncut gems it just had the long the long camera take the long sorry long lenses bit of handheld vibe very kind of shifty character and sort of unlikable but yeah you sort of get on their side a bit and you you kind of figure out as the film goes on who he actually is and what from the
3: um well i was gonna say from from, from the um from the intro i was not expecting it to be like unkar gems because <laughs> Uncut gems you know you sort of say it's this this new york jewish jeweler who's kind of money to people and you're like yeah okay i can get how that's going to be a high octane stressful thing to watch whereas yeah, we made a semi autobiographical thing about us growing up and how much we love our dad. And I was like, oh, okay, this will be a really different film. This is going to be mellow on yeah, a, on a bank same. holiday weekend. <laughs> and it's exactly the
1: same. <laughs> 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 Taking my pulse halfway okay. through, and it's like.
3: It's really good, though. I mean, it's, 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 it's undoubtedly a good film because... It's the Louis Safdie Brothers film, isn't it? I feel it's the character-led, <laughs> low-key, low like, um, indie... Yeah, good question. I don't know. I don't know if I preferred it to Uncut Gems. Did I... I think they're such we similar be, films. We seem
0: to be measuring everything against Uncut Gems. Yeah, yeah. Well, uncut it's just the, it's just
3: the only other it's the only other Safdie I've seen, so I'm sort of trying to decide if it's better or worse. I guess I just think they're really really similar films. It's like it's like if um, if someone came along to them, which they did, and said, "We'll give you shitloads of money to basically remake Daddy Long in a different setting," <laughs> and Uncut Gems is what you would get. Because it just yeah. sort of feels like the kind of more premium version of the of that film.
2: Maybe that's because they've been yeah. trying to make it for like, ever since Daddy Long Legs. Maybe. Because like, Uncle Gems was like the film they wanted to make next, but they kept being derailed. Interesting. So, yeah, it had like Jonah Hill attached to it and yeah, yeah, Harvey yeah. Keitel and at one point. That's why they kind of did like, you know, Heaven Knows What, because one of the safeties randomly saw, saw that, um I forgot her name, sorry something Holmes the, the lead actress and then mm, like oh she yeah. has an interesting story we should make a film about that so then Anka Jumps gets delayed again but yeah and I'm get that film was being rewritten as many times as as it was needed so I'm sure yeah. all of that all of their past experiences kind of lended to that film essentially
0: I don't know about you guys but for me Daddy Longlegs I felt I felt actually like I could relate to it a little bit it, it definitely brought home some like childhood stuff for me and I I, I Totally understand the like nervous energy that the film mm. has, and yeah. the way that he as a character is very I'm just going to do what I want, even if I have kids, and kind of thing. I mean, I, I was just going to say, definitely can't miss an episode without reading the synopsis of the film. Oh yeah, uh, it just said a father juggling his kids with the rest of his responsibilities is ultimately faced with the choice of being their father or their friend.
3: Hmm, interesting.
0: He does do a lot of stuff that feels very unfatherlike. <laughs> And actually, a lot of the time, he's more of a kid than they are. Yeah.
1: One of the one of the things it does well, which kind of leads, yeah, that they develop further as they progress, is that yeah, it kind of lays the seeds, like you're saying, of the sort of it lays the seeds of like the pressure cooker vibe that is like really fully developed in Good Time and Uncut Gems, where it's like incredibly stressful. Whereas like you don't, it's not. I didn't find I wasn't like overly stressed in like Daddy Long Legs, but you could feel like there was an Mm. underlying tension. But the other thing is, they put the characters in just like bizarre scenarios, like the bit where like he he kind of sleeps with that girl, and then he like tries to go on that road trip with his kids that's, and the girl. Yeah, that's so her weird. So <laughs> like, what earth are you doing? Yeah, that's. And he a bit just creates weird. these really awkward scenarios. Yeah, there's but a that, lot that, of that. In, that theme in... continues. There, these there's always these like, like, in what world would you put these this scenario together? And it's because these characters just, I don't know.
0: Maybe they write those scenarios or get to them because they are kind of, it, their films are very character first, character led things. And it feels like you're just going wherever the character wants to go. You know, like there's yeah. so many scenes in Daddy Longlegs that are like that. Like he jumps over the fence with all of his, with his sandwich. And with like his foot long. Oh, yeah, yeah. With his foot long. And, um,. You know, then he's just like, yeah, yeah, we're going over here, and then we're going over here, and he's very stop and start. And it, mm. I feel like the bizarre, you're right, the kind of confusing bizarreness of some of those scenes works, but I think they get away with it because the guy is a bit weird and doesn't quite kind of understand what being a dad is is like.
3: But then also, what's quite strange is that it doesn't it doesn't do the traditional film thing of reaching a kind of climactic point or decision. Because the, the reason why that synopsis is a little bit unusual to me is that it would imply that something big is happening that he needs to decide between. Like he's confronted yeah. with a big decision. But it's not that
2: kind of film. It's it's more of a film that trickles that
3: through every scene.
2: What Louis is describing is like, so a film like Captain Fantastic, I believe, with Vigo Mortensen, mm. that's a film that 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 fits that synopsis way better than this film does, <laughs> if you will.
0: That's about a dad looking after his kids in like a nomad kind of way. as a right?
2: nomad, yeah. And then he after the mother, di- fuck yeah, spoiler. After the mother dies, um, <laughs> um, <laughs> Holy he, fu- he has to face like, can I, should I let these kids be like actually go out into the world and experience world, or should I, you know, live um, in the in the woods and stuff, you know, as as mm. as they were. So that, yeah, he, he that's a big choice. Like, all, all those kids get taken away, essentially. Um, so that's a bigger choice. Whereas where this is kind of like, yeah, the last scene in this film is just like them getting on a metro car, essentially.
0: Yeah, w- one of the things that, that Josh Safdie has said, apparently, is like this thing of people having a narrative arc over a film where mm. they change massively by the end. Mm. He kind of is just he, he was quoted as kind of saying, like, people just don't change in that short of a time. That's so, you know, we don't want to make a film where someone like has a massive...
1: epiphany or something
0: yeah 180 on their life as they go through i I think there's obviously there's space to approach films in any way you want but in that way what they do is they kind of like lock their character that that is kind of it like sparrow said it does it does bring them to the it does kind of add the pressure cooker thing because it Mm. brings them to a point where they're sort of never going to change but yet the world is always going to smash against what they're actually doing like when howard keeps saying he just keeps betting money and never stops and he's like just keeps betting over and over to like the worst decisions ever um and connie in good time just keeps making bad decisions like he he never finishes that film with any real redemption other than the fact that you know he gets uh, he gets arrested or whatever there isn't any real like redemptive arc for any of them i don't i don't feel
1: that that is a good you just click some, but yeah, you're right. If you, if you take the characters of of the the, the father in Daddy Longlegs, Connie and Howard, if 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 any of those three characters just a bit earlier on in the film had like just kind of reined it in a bit, um, and just you know they wouldn't they wouldn't have all of them. I mean, I mean the best scenario is that is the dad in Daddy Longlegs. The other two end up in much much worse scenarios. But if at any point they just kind of changed track a little bit earlier on, rather than just following this you know that the same kind of chaos.
0: It's quite impressive to to make films where the characters aren't particularly like likable esque and also don't change but yet somehow make still make a good film <laughs> it's like the classic anti
3: hero thing isn't it like in in daddy long legs the the mother is definitely the the good guy right? Because she looks after them she doesn't get and she doesn't she doesn't get horrible to him, but she's sort of saying all the perfectly reasonable things about. Him having to kind of look after them when they're with him, and yeah, but 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 you still kind of see it from his side. The
2: sympathy is more with him. Maybe yeah. I feel like their films, um, it's are far more about. So yeah, you have these characters that are unlikable and stuff, but they are. It's much more of a maybe commentary on kind of the outside world that they're kind of like just they're they're just in this system and they they are unable to change, but the world doesn't stop for them, so like much like in that long legs he essentially has to move out, carry the fridge on his back essentially mm. because the world moves on, whether you change or not uh, same with um uh, heaven knows what a film you guys have just keep overlooking for some reason. I don't know why
0: heaven knows what no i mean i i I watched it for the first time last night um i c- i well sorry, I'm interrupting you, but we'll get on it.
2: Yeah, it's a, again, it's a film because people just don't want to change. They they are forcing this cycle of just coming back to a place they were in before, essentially. Mm. Same with... Uh, yeah, good time. No, nothing really happens to these people. It's just the rest of the world moves on without them.
0: Yeah, it's a good point, though. The, I, I feel like their films come alive when the real world smashes with whatever that, that character... Yeah, kind yeah, of yeah. refuses to to, to change, change and, about themselves. Yeah. yeah, guess that's where you get all those scenes in Daddy Longlegs where we should talk about it. The, the scene where they uh, where he crushes the pills and decides to decides to give be, give each of his kids a sleeping pill so that or part of a sleeping pill. I think it's one eighth of a pill or something mm-hmm. so, that one can, yeah, um, yeah. So, so that they can so that they can go mid-comer. to sleep.
3: We've all done it. <laughs> <Yeah>.
0: <laughs> that that basically does it so that he can go to work and not have anyone have to look after the
3: kids and then he ends up accident- accidentally putting them in like a <laughs> like
0: a four Jesus. week coma or something but you know I feel like
3: if that's if that's not actually biographical and that's not actually true then that's a really harsh thing to accuse their dad of doing <laughs> Cause yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean where'd
0: you get the inspiration yeah. from that? When he does that, you kind of, you know, and then the doctor comes around, the doctor friend, and it's oh, yeah, like, he's yeah, like essentially should, you, put them, should call the cops. you put them in a coma. <laughs>
1: yeah, if I wasn't your friend, I'd call the cops. <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah. But then he ends up getting really annoyed with him and being, and then they kind of have a falling out because he's uh, like, Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, he, he keeps doing this thing where he pushes people out of the apartment, but also like having a go at them, even though they've come around to like <laughs> help him. And, he, you know, that's not really a likable trait. No. This, this film makes no effort to show him as being a good dad other than the fact that he can play along with the kids in like a playful way.
3: It's also interesting that it's like, it, it, it's making a comment on that it's not enough just to love your children do you know what I mean? Like, because no one could mm. accuse him of not loving them to death right? He, yeah, yeah, he yeah. almost does exactly love them to death, because it it's more just that there's, there's more to being a parent,
2: which I think is quite interesting. Doesn't he just, like, take him out of school just to spend a day in New York, uh, like, Central Park? <laughs> yeah. <Asia? laughs> like, we're not going to school today. We're going to Central Park and the uh, History Museum, whatever <laughs> it was. So, that's yeah, that's kind of it. That's what your friend would do. Like Exactly. <laughs> that's not what your it's parent what would Bueller do. Would just quick question. Uh I, I feel like I missed something in that film, which is, you know when they played racquetball or whatever it was, squash or whatever yeah. it was? racquetball. The fuck was that about the naked dude? Oh, yeah. Just rubbing oh, his yeah. balls. Was that alluding yeah. to some homoeroticism? It really came was out was of it?
3: nowhere. I thought that was... He just kind of it's rubbed
2: up. his balls, looked at him, and he, then the dad nodded at him. I was like, what kind <laughs> of environment is this?
3: I thought That's... it was... Um, I thought, again, it's one of those Uncut gems style things of things that nowhere. go nowhere. But I, 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 what I read into it was that he was... Um, He was like dangerous and a predator, and could potentially, yeah, potentially. But again, it was one of sort of, you know, oh, that's that going to go anywhere? Nope. On to the next scene. I've got a question for Sparrow on this:
0: uh, them laying plot points and then them going nowhere. This is this is somewhat news to me a little bit, having even having seen all their films. Is that is that something that you've noticed?
1: Well, fine enough. I was I was going to say there's. I don't know if anyone else has seen it, but I, I watched a couple of their short films. Um, and there's one called The Black Balloon If basically this short film follows this black balloon floating around but in amongst it it has a similar sort of thing where a guy is talking frantically and there's loads of other random basically like like the Uncut Gems thing where it opens a whole bunch of rabbit holes and you don't really know any one of ten things could happen but in the end obviously only one or two things happen I don't know if I, it's definitely really really present Um, I, I didn't really think of it until Louis like stated it a few weeks ago in the podcast with Uncut Gems because it's so clear in that there's there's so many things you can look at that things that could have happened, um, and they just they just like they have hundreds of thousands, and they just tip them all over the table. I mean, but any one of it? these could could be what happens, but it's less so in I didn't find it as much in Good Time, to be honest.
0: Yeah, maybe mm. it's because it's a heist movie and it kind of has a purpose yeah, to it's every it's much scene, more confined
2: and isolated, but I find their films to be like a day in the life of so, if you will, like that short film that you just mentioned, it sounds like a day in the life of a was a black balloon. Yeah. Um, so essentially, yeah, if you follow, let's say, yeah, if you follow someone or if you go out on a street, right, there's hundreds and thousands of things happening you can make a short film out of each one of those and that's just what the kind of uber naturalistic way of making those films, like, just showing that, like, a glimpse of people's lives so you overhear a conversation and you could follow that but then you follow up Sandler actually going down the street you don't engage with that conversation. So, yeah, it's... It, it gives um the 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 films kind of like uh, another layer of it of of yeah of naturalism where like yeah this you know a bunch of shit could actually just like actually happen but none of it does because none none of it actually implicates your life or in this case
0: yeah that's much more closer to how i think you experienced life in general i feel i feel like they've they've cracked a way of showing stuff that feels like it's not just about what's in the frame, but what's outside of the frame, like all the conversations and the noises yeah. and the people who go past and stuff and, you know, all that like, kind of stuff adds like, to it just adds another texture yeah. that doesn't necessarily put all of the realism on like the way it's shot, for example, because Uncut Gems is, if you could say it's very highly stylized as it's shot, it's actually probably doesn't look like real life at all, but the way that it's kind of put together through all those different elements feels like it adds... It kind of achieves like a different
2: form of realism. I feel like their way of showing realism is the best way to describe it. It would be, um, imagine, I don't know, Trafalgar Square, right? And you stand there with a the camera and you just single out a single person and you just follow them with a long lens, um, just follow them for a little bit. And that's your that's your focus. That's your short film. Whilst there's things going on around them, but you're just focusing on this one person. A bit like another short film. Sorry because kind of related kind of unrelated i remember we we did a short film on a podcast or maybe we talked about it or something like that where a couple argues on a new york street i believe it was yeah about yeah, taking yeah. a shortcut or something like that yeah, yeah that's that is a safety type of short film where they just like take a long lens and just point it because that's what he like in another interview i read that he during a basketball game or something like that uh one of the safties just pulls out a phone and just like starts filming a dude uh, a kid essentially was uh applying ketchup to just fries so that's that's what i mean it's like that's their thing yeah just singling out someone the other thing
0: that i thought in daddy longlegs was i, I felt like the dad i don't know if anyone else thought this but the dad didn't want to be like cuz he this the setup is he has the kids for 2 weeks right in between mm-hmm they kind of go between him and the mum. But I felt like the dad made every effort to kind of almost not be forgotten. He was constantly wanting to be the centre of attention and wanting to kind of cement himself in that way in the kid's mind. Like when the guy was jet skiing, uh, sorry, water skiing behind the boat and he kept trying to get everyone to look at him and and do his thing. And like, there's so many other scenes where he, wants all the focus to be on him and, and kind of wants, pushes people to get what he wants. And it and I feel like you can see that trait in Connie, Robert Pattinson's character from Good Time. You can also see that trait in Howard from Uncut Gems. And I'm pretty sure you can see that trait in Heaven Knows What as well. It just feels feels like their characters all do have an element of selfishness. I don't know, it's, it's interesting. It's really only occurring, maybe it's obvious to you guys, but it's just occurring to me now when you look at all their characters, they do sort of feel like
2: they all come from a very similar place isn't it all because it's kind of self-preservation like not wanting to change that's a selfish trait in itself
1: with the Daily long guy there does seem to be a bit of a yeah this is further than what you're saying like there is a bit of a disconnect like with him so when there's a bit where he has to go into work otherwise he's going to lose his job so he goes around to all his mates saying can you please take care of my kids i'm gonna lose my job and they're like no i can't i'm working and he's like yeah but i'm gonna lose my job and it's like and they're like well no but but i'm working as well this is this is your problem and he's just like yeah but my kid is like he's he's just got this disconnect it's like why isn't anyone helping me like
2: yeah as, as yeah, if true. he as
1: if he's like oh do you know what i mean
2: he doesn't realize that other people have like stuff yeah, going priorities on as well. as well yeah again that's that that is again a selfish trait isn't it just kind of looking at yourself from a, on a very microsp- microscopic level you can't i mean it, this is maybe
0: controversial to say but you can sympathize with howard and uncut a little bit and you can sympathise with the dad in Daddy Longlegs because he is a dad and has kids. You can you can totally understand the holistic thing of like, oh, I need someone to look after my kids. I'm trying to make ends meet and stuff. But then
2: you can also see when you look at other scenes that he doesn't help himself at all in any way. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's very true. Just a quick question uh, about so the Safdie filmography and their style in general gets kind of like jumble together with the word, with the words stress or panic inducing. I never got any sense of that through any or out through any or out of their films. Whether it be uncut gems, good time, like that long legs, if anyone felt that. Um I don't know. There's never any sense of like stress or stress or like really. You know.
1: Yeah. Maybe that's you just got a high a super high, high stress, stress threshold Venus.
2: Yeah. Uh maybe. Probably so from working in bars and shit.
1: Good good time and <laughs> uncut gems are definitely like yeah, you put for, for a film, you you well, I was like on edge, you know, it's, it's tense, it's hectic. Oh. Um, mm. I, I found, that, yeah, I mean, same. most
2: of the re- reviews for that film are like, fuck it, it's heart attack inducing, you know, uh, stress levels off the chain and shit. And that's what people, a lot of people didn't like it as well because they're like, oh you know i don't want to be stressed in a film what the hell is that about that's true um, actually yeah so, so I, I i never got that and i'm just wondering like am i missing something
3: yeah i don't know i think there's so many things in it that make you stressed out the um there's the really, like really tight shots it's constant shaky cam it's um it's all the, it's yeah. all the plot lines that go nowhere but i don't know maybe it's just cuz i'm um because i watch fewer indie films I may be a bl- bit more conditioned to kind of expect the more comfortable style of filmmaking, you know, which um, yeah, yeah,
2: which is the kind of like the a more form narrative essentially. Yeah,
3: exactly. Like what you expect is about to happen is kind of what happens. Not a okay. really really broad brush, and I guess yeah, of course. I guess it's that point also about that I made earlier around sort of not feeling the filmmaker necessarily in every. If you go and watch a kind of standard big commercial film, then usually you don't really feel the filmmaker in it right you just it's all you just kind of get lost in the world of the of the performances whereas i think this this one you definitely do
2: um that's interesting because i i so i can definitely feel like they as much as anyone can like their fingerprints on these films right yeah um but i, I remember like on films like um other debut such, such as book smart or promising it won't i could not feel there's a, a big disconnect for me in in terms of those filmmakers versus that the, that film being theirs whether it's their first debut or you know their third film, it doesn't mm. matter. There, there's such an elusive
0: quality to that stuff. Like yeah, yeah, people, yeah, people will watch a Nolan film and be like, "I know it's a Nolan." If you didn't tell me, I'd know it's a Nolan yeah. film. And you look at Safdie's and people are like, "Oh, yeah, that's like a Saf- like I was saying about Daddy Long Legs. It's like there's no question. It's a Safdie brother's film. But mm-hmm. it, I couldn't chalk that up to like, "Oh, it's long lenses, handheld. Therefore, it's a Safdie's film." I think that would be very
2: kind of. Yeah, when you break level, it down like, on technical level, it's 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 always like uh, it's not exactly just that. It's uh, a exactly, there's it a feel yeah. to it.
1: One of the things they always they always throw in, which is just like a little small thing, is they often they film a television. So that I mean, the television is like. Because if you know if you film a television with your camera, it's kind of like on the camera it looks kind of crackly. Oh yeah, um, yeah. and they do that. I don't know if they, they do it in Heaven or. Knows What, but they do it in the other three.
0: Yeah, they do um, do it in Heaven Knows What because yeah. they they watch a uh, they watch a horror movie on uh, TV. A, a, um, yeah. Hellraiser. That is a S- Sparrow's a proper Safdie's <laughs> fan. Yeah, that yeah, is yeah like yeah, a yeah. Proper <laughs> specific thing to know. <laughs> <That> <laughs> like awesome. I need
2: to- did that in Uncut but they didn't contact NBA over the use of their clips. So it's obviously just the real games being played. Um so they were like, oh yeah, if if we get sued by NBA, we'll just be like there's there's a clause in it that they were like, Yeah, we just we're covered, we're we're fine. <laughs> but basically if you know the score of of the twenty twelve playoffs, you already know what's gonna happen in the film. Because <laughs> obviously didn't oh, change. Okay. It. Yeah.
0: Was gonna say it randomly, did you know that Casey Neistat produced Daddy Longlegs? Oh. The famous, famous big YouTuber. He was uh, one of two producers on the film, um, which which to me makes sense because he's like kind of a on the street, New York kind of storyteller or whatever. So it, it, they feel very much that they're from the same aesthetic. And also another filmmaker we have done on this pod, Ariel Shulman, who's one of the directors of Catfish that oh, we did. Right. Yeah. He was an art, art director on this film. He's in the credits as
2: an art director. Very New York, New York focus, isn't it?
0: Yeah, yeah. Mm. we've done a lot of New York-based stuff on the pod. Yeah. I feel like New York is our, is our aesthetic. And we've got Dylan on as well from time to time just to keep the <laughs> so keep the New the York vibe going. That,
2: yeah, we need, we need to get some West Coast movies going. Also, just to note out, those kids are fucking annoying. I could I could understand <laughs> him, though. I was like, yo, yeah, your your life would be way better if, um Yeah. Ben, I said, text me something
0: controversial, saying I, <laughs> I, I just dislike kids in movies, and I'm like, you are you are cutting out so many movies that you would enjoy <laughs> yeah. with that viewpoint. But I, I didn't I personally didn't find the kids annoying. I don't know if you did, Sparrow, but I, I, I thought, really
1: don't I, even
2: know where we take this conversation. Yeah, anyway, no, I, thought,
1: no, I thought I thought they were all right. Like, yeah, there, there were some annoying bits, but in the main,
2: it's because like- they can never get kids kind of realistic enough they're always too annoying like i've never met a kid that that is so demanding that annoying won't won't do what you ask them to so much like yeah, but to be fair, their dad was like when he has to move out, around like, the whole movie. <laughs> True, yeah. uh, but he's like, pick up a box. This guy's the kids. Like, no, we're not fucking moving. He's like, well, the fuck, the dude's
0: behind you. I liked that scene because I felt like I did it was too, the kids. But... The kids had just had enough. Like the dad was chopping and changing yeah. s- s- too much, almost more than they would. If yeah, they were yeah, like yeah. Had, they went had, out... had ten cookies each, and they were like really buzzed and then not buzzed at all. Like they went out he was just shopping. like, now we're moving. It's yeah, like, yeah, I yeah. don't want to move. I'm <laughs> done me with this shit.
3: Go live with your mom then. So is the is the is the idea the the ending that he's kind of basically kidnapping them, like he's taking them over state lines. Uh, That's sort of what I read into it because he's not allowed to take. Because remember, there's that read the political. They went the political (laughs) way. (laughs) Because there there was a whole thing about he's um, he's allowed to have them for two weeks, but he's not allowed to cross state lines because they have that argument at the beginning, like towards the beginning of the film, about him going upstate and the fact that he's like pack up we're quickly getting out of here. His friend's really uncomfortable about it. It sounds, it looks I to mean, me like he's kidnapping them.
2: Well, I don't, I don't think they were uncomfortable about it. It was just like the dude wanted to have the fridge on his back for some fucking reason. That was weird. But why uh, would they move that's it? That's not a thing I would take. I, uh, I'm guessing it's because he, he just couldn't like,
0: uh, I, I thought it because he couldn't. Yeah. I, that's what I thought. And he, they just had to move as a result. And, I, I thought
1: honestly getting on the, the cable car, I, I think it's just because he's so chaotic and he's just out of the pan into the fire. I think he just like got on the cable car with him just so we could have kind of like 10 minutes to think about what he was going to do next. I think it, at that point it was just like he just doesn't mm. know what he's going to do. Um yeah. So he yeah, just needs some of like time to Running
2: think. on fumes there. Yeah. Also like that bit where you know he's like he asked for help to move from the guy. He's like um he puts the fridge obviously in the back and stuff and then he complains about his driving. It's like dude. Yeah. The fuck do you that's want? like what want?
0: Spar- that's kind of like what Sparrow <laughs> Spar- said earlier of, yeah. like he just can't can't yeah you just can't anywhere. get everyone else is dealing way. with their stuff as yeah, well yeah, yeah. also he tries to blame it on the kids when he comes when the guy <laughs> when the guy stops and comes back around he's like oh, the kids were flying around all over the place it's like that isn't literally not what was happening at all um it does it does make you yeah for, for me on maybe a personal level it just for me it may, it did make me it did make me kind of think god the way that your parents act and how they are is just like it does has such an impact on mm. who you are oh, yeah. <laughs> and what your char- what your childhood is like. Because like he was just fucking around the whole movie. <laughs> like he never really actually did anything for them. He kind of did it,
3: yeah,
2: because he wanted to. So you're you're completely right. He does what he wants. Like for example, whilst the kids were in the coma, he got arrested, <laughs> like for for graffitiing dad. <laughs> like dude, what the fuck?
0: Your yeah, kids. From- I, I loved how that was his way to get out of it. It was like, did you see what I graffiti? <laughs> like, Doesn't does make a difference.
2: Do you see the context?
0: <laughs> Talking about char- the the kids and the the characters, they were so a lot of Safdie's films are street cast. A lot of people that they they just find that's how um they found the kids in in Daddy Longlegs. They I think he spotted them. Um, Josh might have spotted them on the street, and then their actual parents play roles in the film too. Um, yeah, stepdad so, and actual mother, or something yeah, like that. um, and I think Arielle Holmes, who's the the girl from Heaven yeah, Knows What, yeah. was um, yeah, I think Josh Safdie noticed Josh. Josh seems to notice everyone on the street, but noticed her on the street and paid her to write her memoir. And I, I supposedly I read that she wrote it in in Apple on stores. MacBooks in in the Apple Store because she was homeless. <laughs> I can so see that. Which, I can see that. Yeah, happening. I mean
1: it's such an incredible like story. Is she is she the is she the, the woman in the pleasure of being robbed? No,
0: I don't think so. She is she is just the main girl in Heaven Knows What. Right. Okay. On obviously we should mention as well Buddy juress who is Loki's Spar- no? one of Sparrow's favorite actors.
1: Yeah. Um. So he's in Heaven Knows What and Good Time. I think he's not. Yeah.
2: And I think that's because he went back to jail or some shit.
0: Yeah, so there, there's an interesting thing as well because Avril Holmes, who who was in Heaven Knows What, who you know was homeless and they did this film on her, she ended up being in, is um, it American Honey? She yeah. was cast in that yeah. as well. So she's kind of had a bit of an acting career after.
1: What's, what what's you about Buddy Dress and how, how realistic they are is that so many of the things that happened in Good Time or well, a lot like, did happen to him. So like he did go to Rikers Island, he did jump out of a moving cab. When you're released from Rikers Island, they drop you off outside the liquor store. Like so many bits that happen in, in good time, he's like, Yeah, this is what happened. This is what this is what happens.
0: He he's so talented. I think he's such a good actor. I feel like he could go really far with acting. Definitely. Worth mentioning as well that New York is obviously their, their aesthetic.
2: Yeah, I mean like you said like you all said. He kind of does his own whatever the fuck he wants to do, but that's because New York affords him to do so. Like if it was sat in some sort of weird suburbs, you know, it, mm. it would just be a guy with uh, a guy with his kids for two weeks and make perhaps uh, some sort of cul-de-sac, and you know, that's that's a story that goes nowhere essentially. Mm. Um, so, but what New York helps in all of their films, not just this. Is it's it's the unseen character essentially uh, that kind of issues these people with with these problems. So for example, Daddy Longlegs, it's the amount like he's forced to move out essentially rents high and shit. But um, also it, in in Uncut Gems, it's the vibrancy of of the Diamond District that they yeah. you know try to replicate and stuff. Um, in Heaven Knows What, it's this kind of harshness and cruel, cruelty of the city um, that these. Uh, these people are subjected to it's uh it, it's it favored them well and clearly it's a playground they've grown up in they know they know it really well yeah it'd be interesting to see a movie that's not set there mm. or maybe if it's science
0: fiction would be just set new york on some brand 2047 planet. <laughs> yeah yeah new york 2047 <laughs> got a question for you louis actually which i thought was interesting was the the a lot of people have said that new york is maybe not as interesting or lost it's like it's uh oh, yeah. i don't know it's it's colour that maybe it had in previous, like, years, but I, I kind of... Fit, and there's an... Basically, someone made an argument that the Safties are trying to kind of... Although it's not maybe their intention when they make a film, but they're trying to show that New York is somewhere that... Their yeah. characters and their stories seem to suggest there's, like, a whole underbelly and colour to the city that maybe doesn't get shown in, like, big romantic comedies or... Is the Avengers it's... movies where they use New York, it's like the I could genuinely feel like Howard is someone who lives in <laughs> yeah. New yeah, York yeah, yeah, yeah. In, in modern day and not like some Annie Hall thing that was like back in the glory days of New York or yeah, whatever. Yeah. That's you what know. people are I referring don't know. to I just, essentially. I, I guess i direct it at because you're obviously a New York aficionado. <laughs> you know? Tell me more about nightlife in New York. Yeah, tell me more about nightlife in New York. I, I guess, um, yeah,
3: I don't know. I mean, I, I, never, I didn't visit New York in the so-called glory days. Every, but I know that I know the narrative goes that, you know, New York used to be terrifying and the murder capital of the world and dirty. And that was what was glorious about it. Yeah, like
2: 40 years ago.
3: And that, Well, in the 80s, yeah. <laughs>
0: In Joker, that was like what they play off a lot, right. isn't it? It's like yeah. the, the, the grimness of the city. Yeah.
3: And so now there's this kind of feeling that everything that once was, you know, a little bit of a dive, but also kind of beautiful, is now just a Starbucks.
2: Oh, I'm, I'm sorry. It's not, it's not a fucking capital bird of the world anymore. No. But yeah, that's a, that's a big problem to have. Yeah, I know. But <laughs> that's, that's the paradox, isn't it? They sort of say like it's got gentrified, it became cleaner
3: and safer and, and, and had less soul. That's basically the way the story goes. I don't know if it's true because I didn't experience it in the old days. But I think, you know, I'm sure if you asked any New Yorker, D, they would probably say that that, <laughs> that side of New York still exists. You just need to know where to find it. And but you also you're right, need Safeties... to the right
0: story and character yeah. to really yeah, yeah, yeah. tell it yeah. as well.
3: And I guess the Safdies are focusing on the side of New York that still lives like that. Um, And, they're, and you're right, their characters are sort of such classic new yorkers right that's why they go for the the sort of jewish jewelers mm. for True. instance
0: well actually uh, i actually think uncut gems was inspired by the stories their dad told them about working
2: in the diamond district oh, really? i don't think their dad wa- was howard
0: <laughs> no, <laughs> no, he was like a, a, i think he a a said like thing.
2: he was a runner he would just run ju- jewelry between jewelries like diamonds and stuff yeah. yeah
0: so it feels like these stories that people have from new york and like the things that people tell each other is very much inspired the type of films they make I thought it was interesting that Robert Patterson saw Heaven Knows What got in contact with them and said he wanted to do a film with them and then they ended up making Good Time as a result of him as a result of needing to generate a script to to get him to make a film with him
2: and to be fair he didn't even see like Heaven Knows What apparently he saw an image of from Heaven Knows What and he's like I want that type of energy on a set and he's like we didn't even have a set he was just <laughs> up on the street
0: <laughs> the shot of From Heaven Knows What of of Ariel Holmes like with the blue and red lighting on her face the extreme close up mm-hmm. I feel like that is then done with Connie in Good Time um, yeah I saw that at the, the end too. and yeah, then yeah. it's kind of done with Howard a little bit there's a few times where you get it's like an extreme close up yeah, 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 you feel like the uh, the neon soaked face close up is like their Kubrick version of the of like is, a Kubrick shot. You know, is like that a very shot. New
2: York thing in itself? Then it's kind of know. late, the late night dive diveness and neon signs. I mean, yeah, yeah. I mean, if you read, if, even from a literary point of view, like if you read any novel set in New York in like eighties and nineties, like Big Lights, Big City, it's always about like this divey sure, but it's all neon soaked city. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, I can see. And that like plays
1: it. a massive factor in the the cinematography of of Good Time. Is like so much of it that the lighting is just like, for example, a television in a room or just neon lights. It's like it's quite dimly lit, and it but it adds into that sort of greasy sort of. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it's
2: it's because it's, it's all artificial light, isn't it? So it feels yeah. greasy. It's not natural. So like, you know, if you set this set any of their films in Minnesota, it would feel differently because you know there's a lot of natural light available and stuff so it's not it, it it becomes yeah it's kind of like a different movie in itself just just by the way of use of light
0: you get that with howard where like the diamond district lighting is very very larger than life and makes you feel like yeah you're, yeah, yeah you're the king king of the world or whatever and then it also sometimes feels as though it's like seedy in the underbelly mm-hmm. kind of thing um
2: Especially yeah, when you uh, go into Howard's office and stuff, you have to get like buzzed in and it's all <laughs> clinical lighting and stuff. <laughs> that buzzer, man. That buzzer is just... <laughs> that, that, scene, that
0: scene goes on for an annoyingly
2: long time, but it, that's what draws you
0: into it. Yeah. Like, get them some waters, get them some waters. <laughs> I love how he's just standing oh, behind gosh. the thing. He's like, let us in, Howard. <laughs> he's like, oh, it's not working. <laughs> and actually on that, the uh, we talked a little bit about the sound. The overlapping sound thing was something that was... It's definitely present in Daddy Longlegs, mm. people talking over each other a little bit, but there's this scene in Good Time, which Sparrow will probably be able to remember, but which I've actually got a funny piece of trivia on. But I think when they go to the um the bail bond guy, you yeah, know when con- yeah. Yeah, yeah. And they and it's like dude who's got who's got like two phones. <laughs> He's oh, like yeah, talking yeah. on two phones. Weirdly, that guy, for just as a trivia, the actual bail bondsman guy is actually the proprietor of American Liberty Bell Bonds in Kew Gardens, Queens. So like, he, <laughs> he is actually the, guy. the, guy, the guy who does it. <laughs> so that's classic Safdies of like, cast the actual person who just does that and let's just have him. But they were talking about constructing that scene. And I, I just think this is interesting given that you guys seem to have picked up on it with their earlier films, but they sort of said that's in that scene, there's a lot of different people talking and they're almost all talking at each other over each other and when they filmed it they very much were like we have no idea if this is going to work there's a certain anxiety or energy that's built when all these characters are just talking over each other saying saying whatever it is that they want and they just had no idea if it was going to edit together well but they kind of shot it like that anyway um, and when they put it together they were like oh this is actually really interesting it almost feels like you're sort of there in the room a bit more because you haven't got oh, here's to de- deliver your line perfectly, and then let's get the reverse shot and deliver your line perfectly, which is what stand standard, yeah. you know, filmmaking kind of is, isn't it? It's like everyone needs to hear their lines. Um, isn't that what people everybody- complained about in Tenet, people not being able to hear lines? Well, I was going to bring Tenet up, but I feel like this, this, the difference there is Nolan is trying to m- mix dialogue into the sound mix to create, like, a real experience you know that you sh- probably should have at the imax or something whereas here i feel like it's going after it's not so much ex- obscuring the voices so that you can't hear them but kind of mixing them together and over each other to make it feel like there is a real conversation going on in this very stressful room
1: and you've got yeah. to really concentrate to just see to just stay, to keep up with what's going on because um, there is about three different conversations happening at the same time
2: i agree and it's a thing they've They've obviously done, and it's definitely a trait of theirs. It's, it's probably what a lot of people suggest. It induces stress or whatever yeah. panic or what the fuck it is, is that they can't keep up, so they're stressed. Maybe I don't know. Yeah, maybe. I don't think I've ever stressed in a film. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't happen.
0: Um, yeah, the um, the they apparently one of their big influences is Irvine Welsh, who is the writer of Trainspotting. Spotting, and that's quite kind of telling for a lot of the characters and stories that they choose. Yeah,
2: kind of CD, kind of like... Boss. Underbelly of society, yeah. Yeah. yeah.
0: And obviously John Cassavetes is another influence for them. Makes sense. Kind of yeah, realism, pick, doc films. Pick a camera films. and go, yeah. Yeah, films that feel like they're... You can't tell whether or not they're actually actors or whether or
2: not they're it's actually... It's definitely a J.C trait as well yeah. isn't it link
1: statement of the obvious but you just you you'll just get in the real detail so for example like the costume that the bell bond guy wears well it's not a costume that's just what he wears mm. like if he showed up to work and he's on like yeah. seven phones when he's yeah, talking no, to if, them if as had, well. yeah but just like you might have like i don't know there might be some there'll be things that like if you're writing a bell bond scene like you know and you didn't know really anything about it then you kind of try and think about what they would do but there there's bound to be like little nuances which you wouldn't you just wouldn't know about to write in, whereas he, he would probably just do them in the scene.
2: Yeah, um, yeah, which yeah. just adds to it. Completely, yeah. It makes it everything just that much
0: more authentic. Couple of things I thought was interesting. No guns were in good time, even though it's a heist film. Just thought that was a oh, yeah. an achievement.
1: Yeah, that is interesting. I didn't realise yeah. that until you mentioned it.
0: Yeah. So it's quite odd, like well, considering again, that guns tend to be the thing that people throw in there to like raise the stakes and then if there's no gun in there at all because the stakes are already crazy
2: high. But it's a it's a heist film, but it again, when watching it, I, I never felt like oh, this is legit straight up a heist film. It's not a heist film in the most purest sense of the word, I'd say. It's um it's a, um in that way, it's more like a spin off of a heist film. Kind of like uh when you think of a heist film, I, I'm thinking um, Inception on a big level or Reservoir Dogs on an indie level. Um, you know, they're both essentially heist films, bank robberies, whatever. But yeah, I, I, I would never be like, oh, give me top 10 heist films. Good Time might not make that list in a sense that I would never think of it as a heist film, not because it's- a Yeah, no, film.
0: I, I get that. I get, yeah, it's definitely it's definitely not like an all out and out heist heist movie necessarily, although that is kind of the main driver for a lot of the plot, but- I'd say it's my favorite Safdie's film. I don't know why, but I can't necessarily Pattinson. pinpoint why. But I don't know. I, th- I think it's just got a good energy to it. Feels very inventive, not that their other movies aren't. But I just, for me, it feels like the one that I connect with the
2: most. Mine would be either Heaven Knows What. Um, I just like the the dirtiness, the kind of raw aesthetic yeah on. i called that to
0: be your favorite safeties yeah I, yeah yeah I'm glad I to hear that, I got that right. well.
2: um <laughs> it's just much yeah
0: the whole it's quite a raw movie i found it quite tricky to watch at times yeah and especially like
2: you know it's it's about addicts and you know a lot of people when they watch films about on addicts uh there's a preconceived bias about it so not everyone c- goes in with uh you know a kind of unbiased mind Uh, To kind of follow people, kind of constantly keep fucking up and keep fucking up. And essentially, it'll be like, why am I watching this, right? It's a bit like watching Inside Lewin Davis. It's like, well, you know, these people uh, just can't get out of their own way. And that's what makes them interesting for me, that, you know, their own stubbornness, essentially. Not that the rest of the films aren't about that or anything, but uh, yeah. I feel like Uncut Gems, great, obviously good film and stuff, but it's it's, it's just a bit too disconnected for me, I would say. Yeah. Really? It's, okay. I mean it's in a diamond district this guy goes see The weekend on, on a Saturday afternoon <laughs> he's clearly told not to come and stuff so I'm like yeah cool but whereas um, Heaven Knows What just felt much more primitive
0: I think my favourite Safdie scene in any Safdie's film is when Howard is like still trying to bullshit people that he's on the phone and they, oh, take, yeah. his phone off, they take his phone off <laughs> him and they're <laughs> yeah, like there's no one can... on the fucking phone <laughs> <laughs> it's just like his constant <laughs> shit that he keeps doing it's so entertaining on Gen. I watched it for a second time the other day, and I'd only seen it in the cinema. I think with Louis yeah. be- once before, and it was a great cinema experience. Like the crowd was properly with it. It was it was awesome. But watching it again in the isolation at home, and also just for the second time, you do really notice the little touches to detail. And I don't know. For me, it's a great movie because it's it's both impactful the first time you watch it. But you also miss a lot of stuff, and then when you rewatch it, you kind of then mine it for all that other stuff that happens.
1: My favourite bit of it is um again, this is something which gets mixed mixed reviews. I I absolutely love the ending. The, um, I don't know if we're spoiling it, but the um.
0: Well, we spoiled a lot of movies. On <laughs> yeah, <episode. laughs> yeah, yeah. Where that
1: guy Phil just comes out and shoots him, it's just like oh, like, yeah, I. Yeah, I, I also good, think that guy manner. Phil such a good character. The um, what's the the lone shark? Yeah, I think it's Phil.
3: I think that's I. Yeah, I kind of agree. Actually, I think that's where the um, that's where this kind of filmmaking style of chaos, don't know where to look, thing really comes into its own because those big events that in most films you would kind of see coming, in uncut gems
2: you had you have no idea, so it's really shocking. Because you honestly feel like, obviously, he won the money, so you know they'll be like, "Oh, just pay us and we'll leave." And then he's like, that ah, fuck that, you kept me in that box for like how long's a possible is it, game? Like forty minutes. Yeah, and, it, and yeah, they yeah. don't play
0: he doesn't play that like it really does come out of nowhere in the physicality of the acting. Like it doesn't he doesn't seem like he's pent up and then he's gonna like pull out yeah, the yeah, gun yeah. and then they're gonna make a big thing about the gun being pulled. It's very much just like he just does yeah. it out of nowhere. Matter of which fact, feel, simple I don't enough. know, it feels quite quite realistic. Like it's just a spur of the yeah, moment. Shocking.
1: But there's I I I read into it in kind of there's kind of two ways to look at it. I thought one is um that he is just the guy phil doesn't like howard he just over the film he, he learns to hate him he just finds him annoying and stuff so part of it and he's been like he like he's been embarrassed by howard by being locked in that room so but one one school of thought is like he just he's just fucking hates howard and just loses <laughs> it the, the other school of thought is he can take the money for himself
3: this is your run, i would for like uh, getting games. rid
1: of howard and, yeah, and get by getting rid of the others, He, because Howard's just won this massive bet, he can take it for himself by knocking off Howard, and I don't know what he did, what he, you know, he ends up killing the other guy as well.
2: Well, wasn't there a, I, sorry, I forget that film's ending, I haven't watched it since since the first time in. Doesn't the girl get the money?
1: Uh, yeah. I forgot her yeah, name, Julia but I Fox? I think they're, is it? But they're try, they've sent people to try and intercept the girl.
2: It, well, you know, it was set up to fail, the dude was making bets for to Ryan Senna to fucking time, so. <laughs> just kept betting the whole movie <laughs> just wouldn't right. stop there was a theme to it
0: well I think we've covered a fair amount of the Safdies I think hey. so here's a question for you guys what what would you want to see Safdies tackle next in terms of a film Ooh. For, personally for me I would want to see them make a I'd like to see a sci-fi film by them but in the style of their uh, Well,
1: they're doing one aren't they they're doing forty a remake of this 48, 48, 48 hours.
0: hours
2: yeah that's been talked about
1: that?
0: um, that's not a remake
2: which is, which now apparently in- it's changed direction it's like a it's thing now
0: yeah, it doesn't seem clear what their next
2: film is going to be. Um, I'd love but, to I mean, see if you... uh, a western, just like a contained western, it done in their style. Like could be in a saloon, mm. could be on a. It could be interesting. Obviously, don't cast Adam Sandler in it or anything. Fresh uh... yeah.
3: I would
0: be surprised if they work with
2: Adam Sandler again, though. It sounds like they they had. He was quite actually good... finally good after like about of like twenty years.
1: <laughs> what are he's you talking about? He's been good in the yard.
2: Yeah, oh, yeah click he's amazing all the my the my rich point. stories he was good in
1: yeah
2: yeah. oh yeah like i remember him from films like happy gilmore like that's what i remember. great want. movie yeah, that's probably exactly. his, one of his best films yeah so i want more of that adam sandler <laughs> mentioned this on the
1: other pod benny safety he's going to act in this paul thomas Anderson film yes um, he's sure. also yeah, yeah. in a
2: disney series Is he's, he's awesome? in the new obi-wan he's
0: casting the obi-wan oh, series yeah, Obi-Wan. as well yeah, he which is, is quite interesting.
1: <laughs> he's gonna give up directing and being act, being an actor full time. Yeah, well, he
0: he's he's that one out of the two that seems to because obviously he he plays the main the brother. other main role brother in Good Time. Yeah, um, and clearly so he wants he's got he's got chops for sure. Chops. Why not? I mean, did you know that 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 character in Good Time, the brother, was was actually a character in Uncut Gems? He was meant to be a guy with disabilities that Howard takes in and looks after. And he's like one of the kind of periphery characters in Uncut Gems. But they kind of pulled him out of Uncut Gems and put it into Good Time and saw that there was a script there or, a, or a, I, think like a there. I think that works better.
2: I think that because like if you're going to give something to Pattinson's character kind of redeeming, yeah, you need that.
0: Basically, it's a decade from Daddy Longlegs to Uncut Gems, which is not, in filmmaking, that's not a lot a time. of time considering that there's been two other films made in between those two that... I would say, a very good. thing is,
2: the way they make films, you know, it's uh, guerrilla style, or at least, you know, the past, the past ones were. So, those don't necessarily do take three to four months to shoot. They take about, you know, they can take up to two weeks. For Safdies, I feel like they're constantly making... They're constantly yeah, it making it seems like shit they're quite prolific. And they, yeah. they feel like they're kind of a jackass generation where they're like, you know, where they're like, just, yo, grab the camera and let's go. Let's yeah, sit yeah. Do you for see the...
0: The short they filmed with Adam Sandler after Uncut Gems, like right after it, was the s- Silverman versus Goldman yeah yeah, 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 Where it's them and it's like Benny dressed up in silver. You know those street performers in New York? It's like him dressed it's, up it's in silver yeah. and he's opposite a gold street performer who is adam sandler covered in gold so no one in the street knows it's adam sandler because you can't really tell it's him and it's like they have a face-off with each other and they filmed it right after uncut gems and it's like even after doing this massive movie (laughs) they're like still prolifically just shooting stuff which i which i love i feel like that's just
2: you gotta love adam sandler for it too as well Mm -hmm. for actually getting involved with a a short film essentially um you know it's cool to see those old school actors still still going at it for like just for, for the fun of it essentially.
0: Yeah you have to wonder whether or not like these younger younger directors kind of invigorate older actors a bit like well not to keep mentioning Nolan but of course we do every episode <laughs> uh, how he, he, Michael Caine thought his career was over and yeah, yeah, Nolan yeah. was like no no you've got another like 20 years in you of great movies and kind of proved to him. You wonder if like with Adam Sandler I don't know working with younger directors who sort of idolise him I get the impression a little yeah. bit that there's like a you know well, yeah, which paid off Essentially,
2: sure. like, if you put it this way, like, there's a, a whole generation of people that were w- grown up watching Adam Sandler, let's say. Um, mm. And they're like, oh, he's a great actor. I love him, I love him to death and stuff. And a lot of that generation has grown up now to be directors and, you know, filmmakers. So they do want to work with the people they idolized when they were kids. So Michael Caine would be an example. Fuck it. Liam Neeson took on like what in 2008 <laughs> he became a fucking action star that's still going today <laughs> so yeah he seems, seems ageless yeah so yeah I, I agree that the younger generation kind of like pick out their idols from yesteryear essentially and bring just them back give, give them a brand new identity dom have have you ever had like a stress experience, stressful experience watching a safety film because i've asked these guys and they kind of said yeah
0: Louis sort of alluded to Daddy Longlegs feeling like a bit of a stressful watch which I didn't, didn't get. experience I can see why mm. you would watching it because it's a different type of Stress in that it's like a normal character being put through very horrifying situations Mm. um i would say i'd be lying if i said when i watched uncut gems at the cinema the energy of the crowd and all of the like gasps when howard just kept (laughs) doubling down on these terrible decisions i i you do start to feel a sense of like shit i really feel for this guy and you you do get involved with it so but when people sort of said oh it's a what was that thing the Guardian said? It was like a knife fight yeah. in a phone box <laughs> Some or something. <laughs> I feel like that's maybe a bit sensationalist for me. But again, I can totally understand why people felt stressed watching Uncut Gems. Because it, it's, you know, there's no doubt about it. It is it is a stressful watch. It just doesn't mean that everyone who watches it is going to feel that mm, yeah. anxiety. The way the film's put together and the way that, in the actual story with the character just being doubling down on all this crazy stuff, you do... It does create that pressure cooker, but yeah, I, I guess my answer is yes, yes, but not to all their movies. Um, but you know, nothing seems, nothing gets you Venice. nothing scares you, nothing, <laughs> nothing makes you anxious watching a film. It's like a and, challenge. Yeah, I feel like we need to yeah. find. I mean, you even watch Come and See, which is the famous like Russian war yeah, film that yeah, people yeah. say is like one of the worst, one of the kind of worst oh, to watch, watch films, yeah. watching experiences of a great movie. But like that. That seemed like you were watching a, a, a kids Disney <laughs> time, so, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know what's going to get you.
3: We have to find something.
2: We need to. You need
3: to be like. You need to be a fighter pilot or something, Benaz. You obviously got
2: nerves of <laughs> steel. Yeah. talent's wasted, man. <laughs> I think. I think. Yeah, it's just years of like working in hospitality <laughs> just like reduces your stress. <laughs> that is funny. Okay. Nothing will get you now. <laughs> We've delved into Safdie's pretty hard. Yeah, I mean, also, you kind of said that about half an hour ago, and I feel like we get a new life again. We into I
0: <laughs> if I cut that first one out, people are going to be like, What's Benass talking about? If anyone is still with us and hasn't passed out the anxiety of talking about uncut gems,
3: <laughs> I just want to make Benass nervous. Yeah.
1: House that Jack built. Have you seen that? Yeah, that's yeah. meant to
0: be okay. You fell asleep to that. Yeah, cool, <laughs> cool, cool.
1: Well, that's not that. That that's the one where Lars von Trier got ambulances outside the cinema. Yeah, yeah no, I mean, that's, that a was, P- that's a great that PR. P- stun, uh, that's
0: a great PR stunt. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Louis, Louis, Louis are yeah, all in his eyes. Yeah, like, yeah, how yeah. much did they put yeah, behind sure. that?
3: <laughs> <laughs> the agency meeting where that was decided.
0: <laughs> we asked.
3: <laughs> we asked
0: moviegoers. <laughs> all right. Well, my heart. Is beating really fast, so I got to get <laughs> off this podcast. Ben looks like he's about to fall asleep, uh, so yeah. um, it's goodbye from me. It's goodbye from Connie. See ya. Goodbye from. Gotta get some waters. Let's get yeah, the people yeah. Some let me just get some waters for these guys. Yeah. That's me. Now. Uh, and goodbye from Upstate <laughs> yeah. New York. Good night. Good night. Good night. Okay. Okay. How long has this night. recording been going on for? <laughs> so we started at 11 a.m. <laughs> My Benhouse is falling asleep because it's two in the morning now. <laughs> Aye.